And if you're going to stay with us, let's turn to Daniel chapter 9, please. Daniel chapter 9, and by the grace of God, we will finish the chapter today, although we do have a lot of information to cover in this verse. If you've been with us throughout this series, we've been going through the book of Daniel, and we've really slowed down in these last several weeks trying to cover this this information after this, we are going to, the, the pace will increase a little bit once again. But there's a lot to this verse, especially Daniel 9 and verse 27. And the Bible says here, Daniel 9 and 27, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Many things to see in this verse. We need to identify uh, some a, a person. We need to identify the right place, the, the the timing of it. Many factors that need to be brought out this morning. So let's just march through it little by little here. At the beginning of the verse, we have a pronoun, and he shall confirm the covenant. Let's first identify this, this he. This is a pronoun, so just the rules of grammar. It connects to a noun, the noun that comes before it. And this is what we call the antecedent. So when you look in verse 26, let's just read this for context. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince. Now there's the noun that comes directly before this pronoun. The people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And we talked last week much about this verse. How the end is going to come with this flood of enemies. This flood of iniquity. Uh, and until the end of the war desolations are determined. All sorts of attacks and things to try to persecute the people of God etc. All of that's coming still in the future. Verse 27, he shall confirm the covenant. Now when you look back in history, there hasn't been yet any ruler that has done this. No one has confirmed the covenant with the people of Israel for a seven-year stretch of time, which that's the one week. We've already talked about the, how the weeks work in this passage. No, no leader has done this. So immediately we have to start thinking prophetically. Now when you think about the prince, right? English grammar would tell us the he links to the prince in the verse before. All right, so I understand where people would get this. In verse 26, the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. In 70 A.D., the Roman general Titus was sent down. He did destroy the city and the sanctuary. That is a historical fact. However, I think what happened in 70 AD is like a preview for the big thing, the big finale that's going to come in the future. I showed you a verse from Revelation 11. We're going to see it in just a moment where in the, in the tribulation time, the Antichrist will likewise do this. I believe that when we talk about the person who's going to confirm the covenant... We are talking about the Antichrist who is going to step in and make a deal, a seven-year deal, confirming the covenant, allowing Israel access to their land. We'll talk about more, more of that in just a moment. 
Uh, Some would say that verse 26, you read about the Messiah, and therefore verse 27, it's the Messiah that is confirming the covenant. The problem with that, however, is in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. So if it's Jesus confirming the covenant, then he's making the abomination or the uh, sacrifice to cease. Historically, that never happened. When Jesus died on the cross, now it's true, we no longer need Old Testament animal sacrifices as a part of our salvation or worship. That's true. But they continued to offer sacrifices and oblations until 70 AD. So the events of verse 27 just do not fit Jesus. He shall confirm the covenant. It has to be referring to the prince mentioned in verse 26. And as I mentioned last week, I believe that is the Antichrist. Now, let's talk more about the covenant. He shall confirm the covenant. Two things to be noticed there. He shall confirm the covenant. He doesn't make one. He confirms one. And that's a big thing to notice there. He's not instilling or instituting a new covenant. Right? Jesus did. Right? He, when He died on the cross, He started, a, He, let's say, made official... With, by, with his blood, he started the new, new covenant. But that's not in view here. This gentleman, this person, the he, is confirming an existing covenant. To confirm, the word means to give new assurance of the validity of something. So that, that something is already there. He's just stepping up and recognizing this is a real entity, a true thing, and we're going to abide by that. He gives strength to it, reinvigorates it. All right, so he confirms the covenant. What covenant, though? Which one? All right, good question. Let's get Daniel 11 and verse 30. Let's do some searching of the Scriptures this morning. Amen. That's, that's a noble thing to do, the Bible says, to search the Scriptures daily and see whether these things are so. So this is a good thing to do here. Daniel 11. Now, verse 30 it is one, of the, it's one of those places in the Bible that is very fascinating. You've got about five, six verses here that has what we call a dual application or a dual fulfillment. Verse 30 down to 34, it already got fulfilled. Back in 165 B.C., before Jesus. All right? And then it is also going to be re-fulfilled or done again with the Antichrist. It's one of those unique places in the Bible where history literally will repeat itself. And we shouldn't be surprised by such things. Jesus taught us to expect these kind of things. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. So we look to the past and how things have unfolded in history and that can teach us something about the future. As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. As it was in the days of Antiochus Epiphanes. Because that's who fulfilled it in 165, 168 B.C. and everything he did. But it's also going to be true of the Antichrist in the future. So that being said, I'm laying some groundwork. When we get to Daniel 11, we'll walk you through the history and the prophecy of it. But look with me. We're looking now just for the covenant, verse 30. The Bible says, For the ships of Cheatham shall come against him. Therefore he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the holy covenant so shall he do he shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the holy covenant now in a nutshell the antichrist is going to join sides with people that are against this holy covenant all right what is the holy covenant come to luke chapter 1 
Luke 1, and let's begin reading in verse 70. This is the, can we call it the, the, the speech? In verse 67, it's referred to as prophecy, but this is just Zacharias speaking forth the word of the Lord here upon the entry of John the Baptist into the world. Luke 1, verse 70, As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. So you can go all the way back to the beginning. Every prophet spoke about these events. The first prophet in the Bible was, anybody know? Enoch. Enoch was the first prophet in the Bible. And we have in the book of Jude a little snippet of what Enoch prophesied. You know what he talked about? The Lord is going to come with ten thousands of his saints and judge all the ungodliness of the world and all their ungodly deeds with their ungodly thoughts and all their ungodly, ungodly. He just kept throwing out that word. But since the beginning, the prophets have been focused on that time of the end. And that's the time we're talking about. Now, verse 71, that we should be saved from sin. Is that what it says? My bad. Okay, let's try again. That we should be saved from hell. That's, that's not what it says. That we, we, this is Zacharias, he's a Jew, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Daniel 11, then to take intelligence against the Holy Covenant, Zacharias. He sees there's people against us that don't want that to happen. Verse 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant the enemies don't want that holy covenant they, they want to tear that down but the jews have been waiting until this uh, until now even still waiting for god to fulfill honor and and reinstate them into this covenant now verse 73 let's say make this covenant come uh, come to fruition for him verse 73 to uh, the oath which he sware to our father abraham we're going to look at that in a moment that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. So the Jews, they of course are not allowed to worship and serve God like they should. Their enemies are ruling over them. Zacharias is excited because the prophecy was given that his son would prepare the way for the Messiah that would put Israel back on the map like they should be. Chief nation, serving God acceptably. Now notice in verse 73, this holy covenant, it was the oath given to Abraham. Do you, do you guys see that? Okay, look at Psalm 105. Psalm 105. In verse number 9. Psalm 105 in verse 9. Psalm 105 and verse 9, the Bible says here, which commandment he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Do you guys see the terminology there? All right, so in some verses it's called the holy covenant but it's also referred to as the everlasting covenant. I'm giving you the cross references so that you can see the Bible defines itself. The oath which was given to Abraham, Luke 1, it's called here the everlasting covenant. 
Psalm 105. All right? Now, this is going to tie into something else in just a moment. I want you to see the breakdown. Verse 9, Abraham. Verse uh, 9 at the end, Isaac. Verse 10, Jacob. Verse 10, Israel. Twelve sons. Not just to Abraham. Be careful. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, full-on Jews. We're not talking spiritual seed of Abraham. and No, no, no. We're talking full-on Jews here. They have an everlasting covenant. What is it? Verse 11. Saying, unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance. That holy covenant, that everlasting covenant, has to do with the 12 tribes of Israel having control over and peace in their land. The land that God gave them. That's what the covenant is about. All right, come to uh, Genesis chapter 17. You know, when you read back there in the Old Testament about the, the covenant that God made with Moses, actually, let's, let's say it better than that. It's the covenant he made with the children of Israel, but Moses was the mediator. He stood between God and the people and, and gave them this covenant. You know what that covenant was about? It had nothing to do with going to heaven. Absolutely nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. That covenant was, and, and you can check me on it, Deuteronomy 28. You keep my commandments, do what I've told you to do, and I'll bless you in the land. You'll stay in the land. You'll rule over other, other nations, won't rule over. You'll have your land. You disobey me, out of the land you go. That's what the old covenant was about. It was meant to keep Israel in line, in their land, until the Messiah could come and set everything straight, even, not just the Jews, but the whole world then. Right, that, that was the reason God gave that covenant. Now, Genesis 17, and let's get verse number 6. Genesis 17 and verse 6. God speaking to Abram here. He's changed his name to Abraham. And in verse 6, And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. Now, do you see how that, that is Psalm 105? That is Luke chapter 1, and that's what the Antichrist is going to hate. He is going to confirm it, sign it into, let's say, sign on the line with the Jews, and say, yes, okay, handshake, I will honor the covenant, but then halfway through that seven-year agreement, he's going to renig, back out, say, nope, don't want to do that anymore. And then he'll, he'll flip-flop. Instead of siding with Israel, he'll side with the enemy. All right, so keep reading here, verse 8. He says, And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. That's why the Jews are still waiting for it, because they don't possess the land right now. One day they will, because that's the covenant. That's the promise God gave them. All right, so one day, come back to Daniel chapter 9. One day the Antichrist will confirm this covenant. I believe he will do it while he is yet a prince. Guys, remember this from last week? Before he becomes this king, before he overtakes, I think this is probably what's going to propel him to such a significant position in world politics. He will achieve peace in the Middle East. Now who can say that they've done that? But he will. 
Now, you say, but Brother Mike, why, why did he choose seven years? Why does he make a seven-year deal with the people of Israel? Why not just say, listen, this is your land. I can see it there. It's your possession. It was promised to you by God, so it's yours. Why say, okay, I'll, I'll let you be in the land, but it's for a seven-year stretch of time. Why seven? You ready for this? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, I, I don't know. Guys, I've been studying this for a long time. I've looked at hundreds of hours of looking at this. I don't know why he chooses seven years. I mean, I know God has told us that that's what's going to happen. I seriously doubt the Antichrist will take out his Bible one day and say, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do this for seven years. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it comes out like that. But he, confer- he confirms the covenant with many for one week. With many, not just with Israel. He says, world, back off. You can't have this land. For seven years, the Jews get to have this land. And they get to use this land. They get to plant vineyards. They get to build it up. They can have their temple again. And they can begin to sacrifice and worship God in their temple. There has to be sacrificing going on. Otherwise, how could He cause it to cease? So He's going to reinstitute temple worship. Or at least allow it. That's all part of confirming the covenant. That's not a new thing. That's a covenant given to Abraham 3,800 years ago. The Antichrist will simply recognize it as part of the deal. And the world will stand back and go, wow. Now I'm curious, may may I just guess for a moment? Okay, I'm I'm letting you know that I'm guessing. The Bible says he overtakes three, right? Remember that ten horns, he overtakes three. I wonder if there aren't going to be three nations going against Israel. The Antichrist will rise up and say, oh, you guys back off. And then signs this deal and gets them to back off and in so doing overtakes them. And then the world says, okay, if you could achieve that, if you could get the enemies of Israel that are surrounding them, which there are three. There are three right around there. And just so that I don't get pulled off YouTube, I won't name them. (laughs) He says, then the world might say, okay, if you could do that, we'll let you run the whole show. I'm guessing, okay, but it's a biblically educated guess. But I admit, I'm looking through the glass darkly. So let's come back to what we do know from the text. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And then it says, and in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. As I've mentioned, this, this can't be Jesus because Jesus died in 33 AD. The Jews continued to offer sacrifices until 70 AD. Right? So the timing of this just won't work for anything in the past like that. But in the midst of the week, so right in the middle of the seven years, he'll cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Now, we're going to work on the timing of this a little bit now. Several verses. Let's, let's look quickly. Revelation 12. Revelation chapter 12. And most of these verses are kind of clumped together. It won't take us long, but I think worth our time. Revelation 12. Verses 1 to 6, a vision is given woman in heaven, and a great red dragon. Right? And then there's a man-child, and the woman flees off into the wilderness. That's verses 1 to 6. Verses 7 down to 17 expands on that vision. It explains that uh, first vision further. It gives you all the details, Okay, just so you understand what chapter 12 is about. Now look with me at verse 12. Satan is cast down by this point. He's lost the heavenly battle, the Star Wars. And in verse 12, therefore rejoice, 
ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Why? For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a what? Short time. How does he know he has a short time? Who tells him? Who tells him? As Michael's kicking him out, he says, okay, you only have. <laughs> How does he know this? He knows. He knows because the Scripture's being fulfilled right there. The devil is never going to give up trying to overthrow Scripture. You guys realize this? All the way to the end, to the very last moment before he's cast into the lake of fire, Revelation 20, you can read it for yourself, verses 9 and 10, as soon as he comes out of the bottomless pit, he goes out to deceive the nations. He just doesn't give up. Hard-headed. The definition of stubborn. Right? Stubborn. As soon as he comes down, he says, okay, everything's working according to the way God said it would work. I don't have long. Let's get busy. How long does he have? Short time, verse 14. To the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. Time, times, half a time. We've talked about it. I think you guys know this is three and a half years. But just to remove all doubt, don't want you to trust just my interpretation of it. Verse number 6. The woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. So that's one thousand two hundred and sixty days. That interprets the time, time, and half a time. time. Let me say time, times, and half a time. Twelve hundred and sixty days. I just recently found out in South Africa, I'm not supposed to say 1,260. It's 1,260, right? I've only been here 11 years, and people are just now pointing that out to me, going, Brother Mike, that didn't make sense to us. I was at the till the other day, and they said, that'll be 1,500, or, or, you know, 1,400. I said, I have 1,500. You have what? 1,500? What's the... Like, what, do you not like money? <laughs> Why are we arguing about this? Okay, sorry, 1,260 days. So the Bible defines itself. Do you see? Revelation 13. Revelation 13, verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. That's the assassination of the Antichrist. Verse 4. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. So the... The devil raises the Antichrist from the dead. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue, how long? Forty and two months. That is three and a half years. That is 1,260 days. Right? So again, the Bible is defining itself. He makes the deal for seven years. But right in the midst of the week, he causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. What led up to that? Why? The devil comes down. He knows he has but a short time. At the same time, the devil was getting, getting beat up in heaven by Michael. Down, and he's cast down. The Antichrist is assassinated on the earth. The devil comes down and raises the most powerful man in the world, raises him from the dead, goes into that man's body, and now Satan is manifest in the flesh. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 says, That wicked, capital W, shall be revealed. There he is, standing there, 
hold your place in Revelation. Come to 2 Thessalonians 2. Let me show you what he's going to say when he gets revealed. And then this will hopefully help you understand the blasphemy that we're reading about in Revelation. 2 Thessalonians 2. When that man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, verse 4, 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4. It says here, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the what? In the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And I just gave you the verse from verse 8, then shall that wicked be revealed. See, So when the Antichrist rises from the dead, the devil's coming down, goes into that man's body, brings him back from the dead, And now the world wonders after the beast. Who can make war with the beast? He goes into the temple and he says, I am God. It's at that moment the Jews realize, oh, no, no, no. We got the wrong guy. They they were following him for the first three and a half years as Messiah. Why? What do they think the Messiah is going to do? Give them their land back. So when the Antichrist does that, they say, well, praise the Lord. Finally, our our Savior, our Messiah is here. But then when He dies and comes back and goes into the temple, and they go, woo-hoo-hoo, no, 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 That's, that's not supposed to be happening. And then everything shifts. That's when they have to run off into the wilderness and hide for the last three and a half years. And the devil knows, I have a short time. And then he starts to attack the people of God worse than they've ever been attacked. Come back, look at Revelation 11. Revelation 11. This, by the way, this is why the sanctuary becomes desolate. The sanctuary becomes desolate. It it becomes empty and, and useless and ruined because the Antichrist will violate that place. When he steps in and says, I'm God, and then, if I read it correctly, he'll bring an idol into it, that that image of himself. And now there's an idol standing there who's actually speaking and teaching the Jews, no, 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 we've got to run for the hills. Then all those prophecies that Jesus gave, when you see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, run. Then, then they'll start to put it together and go, oh boy, we killed the real Messiah. Oh no, and it all falls into place then. This is why God gave such specific figures so that they would know, oh, at this time, and then this guy says, that, oh, it comes together eventually. Revelation 11 and verse 2. But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city, Jerusalem, shall they tread underfoot, how long? Forty and two months. For the first three and a half years, the Jews have access to the city. It's their city. But for the last three and a half years, the Jews are running and the Gentiles are overrunning and treading underfoot the city and the sanctuary. Verse 3, at the same time, it says here, I will give power unto my two witnesses, which by the way, that's Moses and Elijah, and they shall prophesy a thousand, two hundred, threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. And you can, as you read on, you find out they are preaching in Jerusalem. So while the Gentiles, headed by the Antichrist, has defiled the holy place, is no longer allowing the Jews to sacrifice in there. He has outlawed that. You can sacrifice to no God but Him. You can honor no God but Him. At the same time, He's hunting them. But you have Moses and Elijah standing there in Jerusalem, (laughs) 
preaching against this guy. Preaching against the enemies of God. And anybody that tries to attack them, you can see in verse 5 and 6, fire comes out. I mean, they, you can't touch them. God's protected them all the way to the end. And then finally, the Antichrist does take them down. But only for a few days. After three and a half days, they rise back up. That's another story. All right, let's come back to Daniel chapter 9. All right, so do you see the timing of it? The Bible's quite clear on this. 1,260 days, 42 months, time, time, half a time. And then here in Daniel 9.27, we have one week, and in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Right? What, what would be the it? I think the it goes back to verse 26, the sanctuary. There's your pronoun linking back to that noun. I think he's, he's making that desolate. I'm going to show you some other verses why I would say that it's the temple that he's making desolate. Notice that he says, the overspreading of abominations. Abominations, plural. We read in Revelation where the Antichrist is going to make several blasphemies and blasphemous statements. Right? Uh, look at Daniel 11. So it's not just one thing that the Antichrist does wrong. He's going to do a number of things wrong. Daniel 11 and verse 30, we've already read, look at verse 31, Daniel 11 and verse 31, and arms shall stand on his part. Now you guys that are deep into your Bibles, you might want to make a mark there, Revelation 6 verse 2, because in Revelation 6 2, that white horse rider who is the Antichrist, he disarms the world, but they stand on his part. He has access to all the weapons. All right, that's, that's a deep side point. But let's, verse 31, the arms, and arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice. That's what we're reading in Daniel 9. And they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. You put that abomination in there, and it, that's it. The temple can't be used for anything else. Daniel 12, look at it here, verse 11. Daniel 12, verse 11. We're talking about this daily sacrifice ceasing. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be 1,290 days. So, you have to wait till Daniel 12 to get an explanation for that. There's a reason that there's 30 extra days added to that. I just want you to see the daily sacrifice is taken away when the abomination is set up in that holy place. All right, I'm giving you the verses so you can put them all together. Now, uh, go to Matthew chapter 24. We're, I want to give you just one more piece of information about these blasphemies and specifically the abomination that maketh desolate. Or as it's mentioned here, the abomination of desolation. <clears throat> we, we didn't get to the verse, but I think you've heard it before, no doubt. In Revelation 13, I showed you where for 42 months the Antichrist has power and he is going to say blasphemous things. But in the next verse, it talks about some more specifics. He's blaspheming the name of God. He's blaspheming the tabernacle. He's blaspheming the saints, the people of God. So he has all these horrible things. So when you read about abominations, the overspreading of abominations, plural, 
he's going to do many horrible things in Jerusalem and in that temple area. But then the Bible focuses our attention down to one specific abomination. You'll see it here, verse 24, uh, chapter 24, verse 15. When you therefore, Matthew 24, 15, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. Now you can put next to that Daniel 12, verse 11. We just read you the verse. So yes, there, there is a, a multitude of things he's going to do wrong, but then there's one specific abomination that is going to just push him over the edge. And I believe it is linked to him coming into the temple saying, I am God, and then bringing with that, right, right on the heels of that, the image of the beast will be set up, brought to life by the false prophet. This is all in Revelation 13. And that image will begin to teach and say, if you don't take the mark, the name, or the number in your hand or your forehead, then you can't buy or sell. And when the Jews see that idol, that image brought to life in the temple, that's it. They say that we, now we know. Where, where are they going to learn it from? Verse 15, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Uh, they, the Jews then run. Guys, do you see how this would tie to Revelation 12? I, now I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but this is Bible study. What would you expect? Revelation chapter 12. In Revelation 12 it says, She shall flee... To the wilderness. Isn't that what it says? Alright, well, look at verse 16. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. So th this is where the Bible, it, it, it gives you these connections. You can, you can see how the Bible is interpreting itself. Alright, come back to Daniel 9. Let's look at one more thing before we finish. There's plenty more we could talk about on this subject, but as we continue on through Daniel, as you've seen today, Daniel 11, Daniel 12, these things are mentioned again, so I'm going to have another opportunity to explain even deeper on them, just trying to get you familiar with how these things work in the end. He says in the middle of the verse here, for the, uh, for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, that, that's the end of the thing, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So the abomination of desolation will be set or put into the holy place. That then makes it desolate. The Jews can no longer go in there and worship. They're told to run. Once that abomination is placed there, now the overspreading of abominations can begin. Now the Antichrist can do all sorts of horrible things and there's nobody there to protect the temple. And that is going to continue. God has... a He's already decided to allow this, to allow the Antichrist and the enemies of Israel to attack them for this three and a half year period. And we've already studied why he's going to do that. We studied it in verse 24. It was to make an end of sins, to finish the transgression, to make reconciliation for iniquity. God is allowing the nation of Israel to suffer. It is a punishment. It is judgment for what they did to God's Son, chiefly, and how they have rejected God's prophets, God's word for generations, for centuries and centuries. God allows all these things to happen to purge them and prepare them for the kingdom. But Daniel is telling us here, these things are going to happen all the way, even until the consummation. 
you cannot, you cannot think, okay, now that we know it's going to happen, let's go in and take the Antichrist down and stop. You can't stop this. This is going to happen. The same thing that Peter did. Jesus says, I'm going to die. My enemies are going to kill me. And then the third day I'm going to rise again. Not so, Lord. No, no, no. We'll stop that. We'll, we will bring in righteousness. We won't let the... Whoa, Peter, calm down. No, no. This has to happen. It's determined. It's determined. This has to happen. Same, same. For Israel, this has to happen. It has to happen. Come to Isaiah 10 and we're going to finish there. Listen, it has to happen. I'm not saying that I, I like that it's going to happen. Okay, I'm not saying it's a pretty picture. I'm saying it's a biblical reality. Be very careful, right? You, you, sometimes we, we read in the Bible, we read something that we don't like, and therefore we don't believe it. Because, oh, that's not nice. That, that's not nice. Well, hey, hey, listen. Sometimes life isn't nice. Sometimes the future isn't so great. You read it, you don't like it, but then you say, well, what do we do about that? <laughs> That's the way it is. Okay, Isaiah chapter 10, verse 20. Isaiah 10 and verse 20. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more again stay upon him that smote them. You can just write it down, Antichrist. They were, they were resting on him. They were staying upon him. They were trusting him. Where? In the first half of the tribulation. For the first three and a half years. Are you with me? But, but then halfway through, the Antichrist begins to persecute them. And he's going to wipe out millions of them. Two-thirds of the Jews will die in that time. So there, you read about a remnant. There's going to be a small group that makes it through. By the way, that's mentioned in Revelation 12, verse 17. A remnant. It actually uses the word. Right? It shall come to pass in that day, the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more again stay upon him that smote them, Antichrist, but shall stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth second coming of Jesus. Verse 21, the remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. Yes, at the second coming of Jesus. Verse 22, for though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. What? Because a lot of them are going to die. But there will be a group that God preserves and they, they make it into this kingdom time. He, go, he says at the end of verse 22, the consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. So the Antichrist will make a decree, consume them. Wipe them off the map. Let's get them all. But God comes in and says, no, you can't have them all. Because I made a promise, I change not. Therefore, the sons of Jacob will not be consumed. You guys remember that from Malachi 3, verse 6? I, even I, am the Lord. And he says, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Because if God were to stand back and say, okay, Antichrist, devil, do what you want, then out they go. But God made a promise that that would never happen. So a remnant will make it through there. Verse 23, for the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption, even determined in the midst of all the land. Say, why, why would the Antichrist be able to do Why would God allow this? 
God standing back, and, and guys, we know this from so many places in the Bible, that the Lord will sometimes allow the devil to have his way for a short time to punish people. Right? We read it even in the New Testament. Deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. A church is commanded to do that. You read it in the Old Testament where David and the, there's a, a, a famine that comes on the land and a disease that runs through. In one place it says the Lord was angry with Israel. In another place Satan was doing it. You say, how, how, how did that work? The Lord stood back and said, Satan, you, you can have Adam for this long. The Lord's going to stand back, but not forever. And that's what I like. Yes, guys, listen, it's going to get bad. What's, what's lurking in the future for the world isn't so pretty. But praise the Lord, we have, we have a promise of righteousness overflowing. That those troubles are only temporary. Isn't that good to know? That the troubles, listen, the curse that we are currently dealing with, which is right, paradise fallen, praise God this isn't permanent. I'm glad to know the story ends on a high note. Amen. All right, let's all stand. Let's all stand. Thank you. We know that, Lord, according to what we've read, if these things are so, the world is heading for dark times. Lord, help us. We, we, we can be busy right now, right now, Lord, trying to give the gospel to as many as we can so that, Father, they can be saved from wrath through you. And Lord, we're glad to read the end of the story, how righteousness overflows the situation. Sin does not prevail. The devil does not prevail. Lord, we're glad to know how, how it ends. But until then, Lord, help us to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Please bless the service to come and our time together, our fellowship here today.